I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're out? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're out? With us. Yeah. This week on the show, we have actress and director Tina Parker. Most of the world became aware of Tina in the role of Francesca Liddy, secretary to Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad, and then again on Better Call Saul. But Parker has over 50 films and TV shows to her credit. Parker is also the co-artistic director of the Kitchen Dog Theater, which has been putting on theater productions for over 30 years in DFW. This company is essentially homeless at the moment, so Tina talks about the out-of-the-black box theater concept with innovative and immersive shows on the horizon this season. Tina is charming and so much fun in this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. I am sitting here at Deep Elm Community Center with Tina Parker, who is a, an actress. She's a director. She is the co-artist director for Kitchen Dog Theater. Yep. Um, so thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, it's a, this place is amazing. Yes, it is very cool. <laughs> Everyone and, needs to come down here. Yeah, and I honestly, like now that I have the headphones on, I'm like, this is going to be some of the best audio we get because it's so <laughs> soundproof. Last time we had like they had a meeting downstairs. It was in a different room. It was ah, okay. A little commotion. Yeah, it's amazing here. Um, so uh, let's just start out like I do every one of these. You're from Dallas. I am. You grew up here, went to SMU. I did. So you spent your whole life here, basically? Well, I would say I, I, I most of it. Okay. I um, I went to high school in Carrollton. Okay. You know, Newman Smith Trojans represent green and gold. <laughs> so nice. terrible. That's where I went to high school um, and then went to SMU okay. back in the cover wagon days um, <laughs> and got a major in theater and a minor in art history. So I'm very marketable. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like you've done more with your theater degree than me. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, and that's how we connected with the guys who founded Kitchen Dog. So the, the right. founders of Kitchen Dog were... Um, MFAs well, when, when I was a, a, a BFA. And so while I didn't found the company, I was actually at SMU at the same time as those guys. We overlapped for three years. Um, so, yeah, that's my kind of how I got kind of hooked into Kitchen Dog because I started seeing their shows early. and then. So, like, you were, like, a senior when they had already left or something like that? Yeah, they left when I was a junior. They okay. graduated when I was a junior MFA program. They founded the company. Uh, and then their first show was in... And this will tell everyone how old I am. Their first show was in 1991 <laughs> when I graduated from SMU. Right. Okay. Um, and it was a, actually not far from where we're sitting because it was above, it was the attic space above Dave's Art and Pond, mm -hmm. just next door to here. Um, cool. And it was unair-conditioned in May, so it was very sweaty <laughs> and fantastic. But that's how they got their start was yeah. literally ne next door to here. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, normally I go more in chronological order, but, I mean, this is a good place to start. I, sure. I, so I did a little bit of research. So you had, like, a spaces at different times, and, and then like, it goes away? Or how's that? What's yeah. That so, like, we, you know, like most uh, theater companies that are starting out, um, they – were founded, did shows, and they w didn't have their own space. So they kind of moved around a lot. And we were, like I said, above <laughs> in an attic above a pawn shop. <laughs> I think they also performed at uh, an Episcopalian church at one point. Mm. Uh, but mainly we kind of shuffled between our friends over at the Undermain Theater. Mm -hmm. Everybody should go and support the Undermain, celebrating 40 years this year down on Main Street. So we were their space. And then at, there was a place called the Stone Cottage that's in Addison, and okay. it's, it, you know, it's under the uh, Water Tower Theater umbrella. And so we kind of rotated between those two spaces. My first show with Kitchen Dog was in 93, and it was out at the Stone Cottage um, in Addison. And then uh, this amazing couple uh, founded the MAC, the McKinney Avenue Contemporary on McKinney mm -hmm. Avenue, before it was what it is now. There was really nothing around it at the time. Oh, okay. And it was, they had this dream of having an art space, a visual art space, as well as theater space. And we were fortunate at the time because one of our board members was good friends with them. They're like, oh, you need to check this company out. They're right in your wheelhouse. They do the kind of work you like, kind of edgy, you know, social justice, like, you know, kind of cool plays. And 
they came and met with the founders and loved it and invited them to be the resident company at that space. And so we were at the Mac for 20 years, for a long time, oh, until wow. the space went away. Uh, the space uh, went away, I guess, 2015. Um, and then we've kind of been in a transition, so to speak, since then. Mm. Uh uh, so we've been in a lot of different spaces yeah. uh, in, in right now. Uh, we did purchase a building. We got really we we decided to keep trucking because we had kind of had to sit down and have a come to Jesus. <laughs> you know what are we going to do um, without a space? Um, because it's hard. I mean, there's just everything is at a premium, and you yeah. can't always book a full season. And how do you get people to realize that you're still open? That kind of thing. Um, and so we decided to keep trucking. We started capital campaign. We were able to buy a building, crazily enough, hmm. uh, in the northern edge of the design district uh, at the end of 16, beginning of 17. Um, and we had just enough money to buy it. And like we had, a, we were able to get a little loan and buy it, uh, which is amazing that we did because yeah. uh, we got it for under a million dollars. And it's like a 10,000 square foot warehouse. Uh, and so then we started raising money to renovate it because, you know, it's not a theater. So we still had to rent spaces to perform and keep trucking. Um and then COVID happens, <laughs> mm, yes. and that slowed everything down. Uh, and then you're just like, just stay alive. Um, <laughs> and so now, and during COVID times, we actually the little bit of money we had, the nut we had saved to, you know, to renovate, we actually paid off our loan. So we own the building outright now. So at least that's good. Oh, that's very good. It's an asset. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's an asset on our sheet. Um, yeah, right man, now. and it's worth tw- twice what we paid for it. Because oh. everybody wants that property, and everybody comes over and is like, I'll buy it from you. And it's like, if we sell it, we will no longer be a company. But yeah. we can if we have to. Yeah, it's a good neighborhood now. I mean, like it's again, it's crazy how much it's changed. I mean, yeah. there's really – and we're like on the northern edge. You know, like, you know, some people are like, is it the designers? I'm like, it is. <laughs> uh, because it's before Inwood, okay? Right. Um, but just barely. Uh, but, yeah, so now it looks like we're about finally about to start – tearing it up in about a month oh nice and renovating it so hopefully next season which will be our 34th will be in the new space okay i did a little looking up on the website i i am intrigued by these two shows that you have coming up they're um, crazy what is it uh, wait don't tell me uh, safe at home and shape yeah um so safe at home I, I used to be a huge baseball fan i kind of You're, you would love it then yeah it, it so but tell, tell us about it a little bit sure so because we're homeless essentially or unhoused this season um we decided that we because the rental space that we were using, it also went away. And so we're like, whoa, what are we going to do here? <laughs> um, and we knew that our building was in the distance. We weren't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be able to be renovated in time for us to start next season. Um, so we decided to lean into that. And we we're jokingly call it the out of the black box season. Oh, no, um, because, I, I like that. Well, because, you know, you, sometimes you just got to look at a challenge and be like, it's, a, it's an asset. Uh, so all these shows are immersive experiences uh-huh. so far um the first one which will happen first week of december december 7th through the 10th very limited run um because baseball stadiums aren't cheap to rent um, uh, <laughs> right. uh, but it's a cool play called safe at home it'll be its second ever um production it's by two guys uh, gabriel green and alex levy um and it centers around both politics baseball and the american dream and, it, and mm. it's uh timely I would say, but also just it, like nothing you've probably ever experienced in the theater. How it works is there are nine scenes. Uh, they're exactly seven minutes. Uh, it's a huge cast. It's 18 people, which is a lot for us. Um, and it, each scene takes place at a different location in the ballpark. So as a patron, you'll check in. You'll be assigned a pod. And your pod is led by your tour guide, uh, which also will throw out some baseball fun facts. Uh, it's actually really cool. Um, and then you go in there, you see the scene. Let's say you start in the press room, uh, and then you just keep going to different scenes. You'll be in a luxury suite. You'll be in the men's bathroom. You'll be in a concession area. Uh, you'll be in a dugout at some point. You'll be in the player's locker room. You'll get to go to areas that, like, I don't know. I'm also – and I know a lot of pe- times people are like, arts people, sports, that doesn't work. And I'm like, <laughs> I love sports oh, yeah. personally. Um, 
And so when we got to tour the space, I was like, oh, you know, because they were still in the Rough Riders were still in season. Right. So I was still like, oh, look at all the things. You know, like you just don't get to go in these areas, exactly, right? Or like, yeah. here's the player's weight room. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you do get to go. And it's just strange. Right. So you get really strangely geeked out. It's, you know, I think it's kind of like what it would be, you know, going backstage and going behind a set. And like to somebody who doesn't see it every day, they're like, oh, whoa, yeah. this is how you do it. And. Oh man, how you run this? That's wh- how that where the cue comes from. And you're like, yeah. So it was just kind of seen behind the curtain in a baseball stadium, yeah. and that's what these audience get to experience. So that sounds so, so the cool. actors stay in place. Yeah. And if I was the actor in the scene, um, my seven minute scene, I would do it five times. Let's say because we'd have five pods that night of okay. twenty people or whatever. Gotcha. That and the pods what... will tour through, and uh, yeah. So you don't have a traditional bow at the end because, you know, you're down wherever the last scene is. But, yeah, it's really cool. There's a every scene kind of how the play starts. The premise of the play is like it's and this is what's crazy, too. I will say this. It's game seven, 2024 World Series between the Padres. Well, and the Texas Rangers. Wow. Just by fluke, like we're like, what? You know, like, <laughs> thank you, Rangers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's between those two guys and, you're, and it's out at Petco Park. It's your, your Padres Stadium. And uh, yeah, there's you start in the press room, and there's a question that's asked by somebody who you don't see, but you're meeting the manager of the team who's doing a pre pregame press conference. And somebody posits the question to him, "Hey, I heard your star pitcher is not going to pitch out of protest tonight." Hmm. And hmm. he's like, "What are you?" And so you're nobody's sure. And then the scene ends, and you go, and so it's kind of that rumor that trickles all the way uh, down, huh. and you and you don't meet this this pitcher. Until the last scene of the play. And you don't know what he's going to do. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. So, like, even if you're a different pod, you're still going in the same sequence? You are going in sequence of the play, yeah. Okay, okay. But literally, like, there's – it's – you meet a whole different wide assortment of characters because, like, that was the thing. The guys who wrote it, there's – you know, there's a really great interview with them where they talked about – they both are huge baseball fans. One of them, you know, cover, long-suffering Cub, Cubs fan. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember the other guy's team. But they were just talking about how, you know, when you sit at a game – there's so many different stories in the stadium and it really does bring people of all different income levels and stories mm-hmm. and stuff into one area yeah. more so than any other sport because you can because you can everybody can afford a single ticket right right whereas like with some of the bigger yeah. you know bigger stadium you can't i mean you can't even the upper level you're like how much is this <laughs> right. um, i can't go on is it free yeah, tonight especially when they're doing well yeah yeah exactly so you know they started thinking about like also just the fact that over half of um, the major stars of the, you know, in major in the Major League Baseball are Latino. Huh. And just like, yeah. you know, just looking at like where they come from and like some of the things that, how they get these guys and, you know, where they, you know, you know like there's, uh, what do you call it? Um, not farms, but there's like these things called academies. Uh-huh. Where they, it's almost like where they kind of train players. They take kids yeah. at an early age, which is a little shady. Um, you oh, know, yeah. not gonna, you know. Oh, there's and, a lot of players. There's a lot of shady. They action. don't know how old they even are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Right. So you know, it kind of looks at this, you know, but at the same time, like where are the Latino, all the Latino managers and people that speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. you know, like it's, you know, finally, I was, I loved it this year during the World Series that they were like doing some interviews in Spanish. I was like. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Right. Like, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Anyway, so it kind of gets into a little bit of all that, but it, ultimately it's just really fun. Like, cool. you're, as a patron, you're, like, going to these places you never go to. You're learning a lot of stuff about baseball that, like, frankly, I didn't know. Um, I mean, we got the San Diego chi- – I seen between the San Diego chicken and the and the swing and fryer. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. The mascots, the full mascots. Oh, ah, wow. Yeah. That's you cool. Have, we do have, a you know, a scene between, like – Two people who are working concessions, like you know, yeah. so there, you really get to see different. I like that. I'm going to see the show. Different, please like come out. But it's a lot of fun, um, and it's one week only, at five shows, uh, where you know at the, where the Rough Riders play, y'all, and mm-hmm. that's where that's where Evan Carter comes from. So come on with it. <laughs> Let's be real. Like he really came directly from there, right. which is so crazy. Right, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And oh. then Shape is going to happen in a CrossFit gym, like at D Town CrossFit. Right. So it's a little bit more. Like where you're going to sit down and the play is going to be all around you. Okay. But like it is about a woman, uh, you know, middle-aged lady who's like, I want to, you know, want to lift weights. And just just the idea of like, 
what is your body? And and it's funny, 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 yeah. funny, funny, super funny. Huh. Uh, and you've got two other characters that are multiple people from anything from like, you know, a, your tra- like really stoic Texas trainer because the woman moved here from New York and now she's going to this gym and the guy's like, I'm just your trainer lady. Like, <laughs> chill out. Yeah. To like, I'm Debbie Allen now or I'm right. like your, your dad or whatever, you know. Yeah. So like there's it's really theatrical, really a lot of fun. Just so that around. will be at D-Town Fit, which is in the design district. That's cool. I feel like you're missing a huge opportunity, though. What's that? Because, like, you've got this theater that needs to have work done. Like, there's got to be, like, an immersive show about construction (laughs) where you could, like, have the audience pick up I know, but our insurance wouldn't like that very much. (sighs) Okay, there's there's workarounds. There's there's issues we have to work out, but okay. No, exactly. (laughs) My luck would be like, oh, and somebody trips on something, and it's like, and now the theater is closed. Yeah, well, the hospital wing would be part (laughs) of the show. (laughs) have to have like a like a, a medic yeah 100 but uh, let's go back to the beginning like so sure. when you were growing up like when you were a kid were you like like look at me i'm a performer were you like how early was it where you started to, to go i kind of like this like thing this it was pretty i mean it was pretty early for me so like i was um i was an only <laughs> i was an only child for eight years the best years of my life i would say <laughs> to my sister uh, my sister's eight years younger than me but i also didn't have cousins on one side either for a long time so i was the only kid for eight right. years uh. so totally rotten um uh but i was we moved around a lot so i was always having to like like look at me i'm fantastic i'll be your friend or whatever like <laughs> where we moved to new schools right right um and i was really tall and really pale um i just say that because i got teased i always got called casper or witch or whatever because I was like see-through white with this really dark hair (laughs) um but I was really good at reading and so I had a lot of teachers that would encourage me this is how old I am would encourage me to like read the film strips because they would show the film and you have to read the narration and I would always really perform them and I had a couple of uh teachers who were really encouraging with like let's do a skit or whatever Mm -hmm. and you're like who wants to get up and be do Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or something. You're like, I will perform it, of course. <laughs> um, you know, so I was a big ham. Uh, and so that was definitely, I've kind of had that, the bug early. Um, and my mom, you know, this always is a running joke in our family because she, for both my sister and I, who is, n- my sister is not a performer and is very reserved. She mistakenly read the school calendar thing. And so it was like, oh, it's dress up today or whatever at school and dressed us in some costume. And you go and it's like, I am the only person <laughs> dressed in a costume. Fantastic. And so like when I was in, when I, yeah, it, yes. Wow. So I was like in second grade in Baytown, Texas, because it was our new place. And it was like bicentennial day or whatever. And so I was dressed in like this long quilted skirt and I barred one of my mother's shirts. And I was like, I'm going to be Betsy Ross, you know, and I had this hat and <laughs> a flag with a needle and all this. And I get to school and people are like, like what is wrong with you or whatever. Um, and my teacher leaned into and was like, Tina is so patriotic or whatever. Uh, and so she's like, Tina, would you like to talk? And so I did this ridiculous improv. Uh, I still remember it because I was like, everybody was making fun of me and I didn't understand what was happening. So I was like, I did an improv about I'm Betsy Ross and how my hands were arthritic or something. Uh, you know, like, you know, like I'm sewing right. the flag and it's like, my hands. Right. And people were like, okay, great. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I toyed a little bit when I was a child. Like I loved horses, so I thought I'd be a horse jockey, but I was already too tall. So that went in the toilet. And then my biography that I wrote of myself, or autobiography I wrote of myself in fifth grade, um, <laughs> says that maybe I should, you know, come up with the cure to cancer because a lot of people have it. Uh, um, but then I get yeah, but then I gave up with that. Uh, I didn't, no, yeah. so I pretty much leaned into performing and had mm-hmm. teachers that encouraged me to be a performer from early on, and then I can really stepped into it like fifth and sixth grade. Yeah, because we we, you know, teachers were a little wilder then. They're like, we're going to put on a production of Annie or whatever, and yeah. it's like you're going to be in it, and yeah. Know, Oh, yeah. I used to love theater. That was like the best part of high school to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When it really does, like, it's a place where everyone fits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, matter, you know, and there's always something for somebody. Uh, And the uh, my favorite collection of weirdos, you know? Yeah. Um, And if you've got a great teacher, I mean, I know there's, you know, not everybody's the world's greatest teacher. But, you know, I lucked out and had some teachers that were very um, encouraging to me as Mm -hmm. a young person. And, like, I really felt like. This is I'm good at this, and this is what I this is where I belong. So. That's cool that you had that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So and then I went to SMU and met everybody 
which is why I'm at Kitchen Dog, you know? Right. <laughs> so, like, um, so this is, like, because when I, when I went to theater school, I, I'm only a little bit older than you, but it was kind of like, you know, like, there wasn't film school, really. It was only know, theater right? school. And so, like, and I was clear that I wasn't going to do theater professionally at that point. Right. Um, Having said that, I wish I had time to do a play. It is the f- most fun thing in the world. Oh yeah. Um, but um, so I'm curious, like, at what point, like, I mean, because I've it from what I've read about you, um, and based on being so involved with the theater, it's like a big part of your acting. And it your is, career. yeah. So, like, it was there a point where you thought, like, you I have to do TV, or like, how did that all happen for you? No, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I just got out of school. I just started working. I was a, a waiter, like all of us. Mm-hmm you know, killing it at Lucky's. <laughs> and then I got an agent because a lot of people get agents, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I can, you know, let's try it. Like I really had not, I didn't have any, very, many, very much experience doing film. I had zero experience. Uh, so I like got an extra part where I was like walking in the background of a bank commercial, um, which was great. And then, you know, you start getting auditions. And mm-hmm. I got lucky because I got some auditions early Um and they helped me understand more of the medium, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. like, there was one of my earlier jobs. I guess, granted, that was, like, 99, maybe. I mean, I did some little bit things here and there. Uh, but got my big break, our big job, first big job was, like, I was in Dr. T and the Women that, mm-hmm. with Robert Altman. Right. Which shot here. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so, and that movie's not the greatest or whatever. But the thing is. You were with Robert Altman, you know. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> the legend, and for rightfully so. Sure. And that whole like, he loves theater, and uh, you know, I was on some walkers and stuff like that before that, where you're like, oh, I'm two lines, you know, put this on your lady friends tab. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually one of my lines. <laughs> um, still get some residuals from your love the walker. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on that film, like uh, the audition, the first audition was literally like you, you didn't they didn't give you any sides, so you're like, what is this? Hmm. And you're sitting on the couch, and then you go in, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to sit down with Robert Altman and his first AD and Tommy, his first, you know, all these guys. Sit down with him, and it's just an interview, and he's just talking to you for like 35, 40 minutes. And he loves theater, so we talked about theater. We talked about improv. Um, and then the callback, they said, okay, come in, you know, because it was all about a gynecologist. So it was like, come in with a condition that you'd go to the gynecologist for, and we're just going to, you know, you're going to be called in it's lot, a lot an hour. And you're going to be called in just this improv. Huh. Wow. Which was crazy. Yeah. You know? So you're in there with like, I don't know, 15 ladies. And you're improving. But then he kept, he pulled me and somebody else out uh, and was like, hey, I'm going to use, I want you to do this. And, you know, I want you to X, Y, Z. And so what ended up was the people like me and there were three other ladies that he pulled aside. Um, we ended up being nurses in the doctor's office. Mm. And he told us, he's like, look, ladies, like you're not going to feel like you're going to, you know, because maybe you don't have a scene where you have big lines or whatever. But he, he's like, I'll make you a lot of money and you'll be here every day. Uh, and we're like, great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you, it was perfect because I also was directing a play at night. So like we, literally we got out. He was like, we start in the morning and we end at a certain time. Like, oh, and the, and that the crew, sounds beautiful. And the <laughs> crew loved it, you know, because yeah. we were like, we're done at 530. And he'd like, let's watch dailies. Uh-huh. If you could stay, you'd watch dailies and have snacks with him. But I couldn't stay, unfortunately. I had uh-huh. to go to rehearsal. But yeah, it was one of the best learning experiences for me because, one, you're with a master. And he's like, Tina, this is what I want you to do. And this camera's going to follow you here. So this is what, this is the move I need you to make. So you're like part of these master Altman shots. And he's like, it's going to go here, and then it's going to transfer to here, and this is where I need you to go. And you're like, oh, okay. Huh. And, you know. Wow. So you're just learning all camera angles. You're learning all sorts of yeah. stuff because you're like, oh, it's following my shoulder. Oh, it's on my back. Oh, it's doing this, and he wants me to do this, and that's going to help the camera go this way. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, yeah, because, I mean. Uh, sorry, that was a very long story about Robert. Uh, but he was no, an amazing experience. It was a great story. Uh, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, because that's the transition. Like, you're in theater school, and then now you're on a set. And, like, they're not talking about, like, how much of no. that is, like, blocking and how much you're not going to actually even be doing anything all day and all that stuff, you or know. Or how you're not – are you going to be seen? You don't even know what people yeah. are going to – what are you seeing of me? Yeah. And then, like, sometimes your way you turn, like, no, that's the wrong – like, in your mind, oh, this is this way. And it's like, no, God, it's actually – Robert Altman is your first teacher of that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, like, so I got lucky in that regard, yeah. you know. Like, 
Um, and then, you know, there's little jobs here and there. And, of course, then got the big break for yeah to be on Breaking Bad. Yeah. So how did that audition happen, work? That was here mm-hmm. because uh, Tony, uh, there's a casting person who was casting, you know, casting local at that time for them. And got the sides. And I read it and I was like, oh, this is going to be a big boobed blonde woman <laughs> like I just was like it's not because of the sides you know sure, yeah, yeah. so I was like I don't think this is going to be me but whatever she's calling me in whatever yeah. so it's so like you, you know the, it was a lot of innuendo like you know our first scene was like and you're killing me with that booty and all this stuff and there was another scene that got cut it was all about you know he was very very Saul yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Full, tilt, <laughs> full tilt Saul um, and so I was like well I'm just going to dress how I feel I look good or whatever and who cares like and I walk in and I'm like at, at the time because, you know, it's the late 90s. I was really into, like, rockabilly, and I had this, like, cute little sassy dress that had cherries on it. And I was like, I'm wearing this or whatever. I feel <laughs> great in this outfit. Nice. And, you know, did my makeup. And it go in, and, like, literally, everybody's in business casual, blonde, you know, kind of fancy. And everybody's like, <laughs> looking at me like, wow, wow. Like, wow, you made you made a choice or That's whatever. Hilarious. And I was like, and I was like, oh, well, what, you know. What were you going to do, choose to be blonde and big titties? Well, you know, also, you're like, I can't go back in time and choose a business outfit. Like I was right. like, oh, well. oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. I walked in and I was like, oh crap! Like yeah. I didn't think about the, you know, I didn't. Had think... the show been on the air? Had you seen it yet? I don't know. Okay, so you didn't even know what the look was. Like, this is no, all I just know. From your I knew brain. nothing about it really. Okay. Um, and you know, this is a new character too, so we didn't right. like we were introduced at the same time. So I have nobody has any idea. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And you don't really know, like, because a lot of times with those shows, sides will be jacked with so you're not yeah. like i don't even know what where i am oh, in yeah. this time or yeah, what is cut this together or, different scenes and make yeah, it and you're like, like i enough. think it's for this but i don't know yeah, yeah whatever sure um just to keep stuff secret but yeah so i went in and i had a lot of fun and tony's like you're you know that was hilarious and i felt great left you know it's like that's all you can do right sure. like i feel like that's the best the best auditions i have is like do the best you can you feel good about it then leave it, because otherwise you're going to get into, like, why didn't they choose me? Or you're yeah. thinking about, like, what do they want? Sure. Then you're like, it doesn't work because it's not, what do I have? Yeah, that's They're a calling, hard. That's, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, for actors. I can say it 5,000 times, but, like, and I always have to keep saying it. Yeah. Because especially now that we've been on strike, well, we just finally came off strike. But while we were, you know, it's easy to get in that mindset of, like, if you're not booking for a little bit, like, okay, what is it that they want? And it's like, then you forget, like. Yeah. Everybody's doing that. They're looking for the thing that's unique. And if bring yourself, and if they want sure. that, that's great. And if they don't, they just want a different flavor, and you can't overthink why they didn't choose you. Right. So anyway, I auditioned. Didn't hear anything, so I figured I didn't get it. I was sitting in this commer- sitting in this audition for like a bite and smile, you know, like some chips or something that I will never book because as soon as I talk, my voice is kind of low, and they're like, "You're not a mom," <laughs> uh, and I was like, "No, I'm not," or whatever, you know. Um, so I never booked those. Huh. So sitting there, and my agent called me, and she was like or pay, probably paged me at that time, but was like, hey, can you be on a plane in three hours? And I was like, what? And luckily I wasn't in a play because that would have been a lot harder. Sure. But I was like, yes. And she's like, they want you to come. They, you booked it. You're going to go to this thing. And I was like, wow. oh, my God. Wow. So I literally was like, ran home. I got chills just now. It's, it's totally nuts. <laughs> Threw this stuff into a bag. Like, I was like, I don't, do I bring the clothes I wore to the audition? Like, I don't know what I do. Like, right. Robert, can you watch my cat or whatever? And like, <laughs> get on the plane, get there, and get to the little hotel. And I'm like reading the cast list. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, it's Bob Odenkirk or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, Mr. Show, Mr. Show. Like, yeah. freaking out, you know. <laughs> right. So freaked out. Um, but yeah, that's what it was. And then, like, what's interesting is in season four, my kind of my big thing in Breaking Bad when, you know, I have a great scene with Walt, They there was this podcast about Breaking Bad where they're interviewing Vince and they're like, oh, how did you, you know, because they talk about me because it's like, what, sure. how did you find her or whatever? And he's like, it's funny. And my friend was like, you have to listen to this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, uh, but he was saying it's funny because they kept showing him things, women he didn't want. Like, he's like, no, I want something different. I don't want, you know, the blonde with big boobs, like what right. everybody thought it was going to be, yeah, right? Yeah. And the casting director, the Kira, who's kind of the New Mexico casting person, was like, well, there's this girl, and I really like her. I don't think she's right for this. But here's her tape. And he's like, this is what I want. And that's why wow. then I was on the plane. Yeah. Like, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. But, I mean, that, that should be a lesson to actors. It's like you really have to just trust what you have. Like you you put your work in. That's all you got. Yeah. Put your got... work in, know your lines, you know, yeah. figure out some, you know, make a choice, and then lean into it. I mean, yeah. like. 
And because this, you can't, you're not going to be able to morph this into like, I'm not going to automatically turn into Brie Lawson or something, you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be Halle Berry anytime soon. Right. So this is what I got. Yeah. And how do you use that to bring this character? Like they're obviously called you in because they saw your headshot. Yeah. Like you didn't disguise what you look like or exactly. what you, you know, whatever. So it's like, okay, well, this is what I have to bring. And if you like it, then great. Yeah, that's cool. So um, that show is like huge. And then yeah, like like the I mean, for me, from an outside perspective, I came to it all late. But like the spin up of Saul makes the most sense in retrospect to me. Like the when you found out you were going to that one, what was that like? It was kind of crazy because like I found that there was going to be the spin off, But then like I didn't get it called and I was like. And I watched the first season, and I was like, "Oh, I don't. Maybe I'm not." Oh, you weren't even in the first season. Oh, because they went back in time and yeah, they went back and like set him up. And then I was like, "Oh, maybe they're going a totally different, you know, okay." And I kept kind of hoping, you know, of course you hope because you're like, "Oh, I'm with this character." Yeah. And then when I finally got the call to come in, I think I'm season three. I can't remember. I think I'm season three of Saul. It's when I start. My character starts when they have my intro, my origin story, Mm -hmm. when she's nice and happy and wears pink (laughs) and stuff. Right. Um, I the writers just. It Amazing. is one of the best shows ever, for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Well, because a lot of them are from. Yeah, Breaking I mean, Bad. for me personally, I like Better Call Saul better. Great. Personally, no, but, it's good. Yeah. But just the detail, like, mm-hmm. there's no lift. Like, you just read what they wrote, and you're like, oh, okay, I know where you're at. Yeah. I know what's happening. Yeah. Um, Was there any improv on that stuff, or? Almost never. Yeah. They're real letter perfect on I that show. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. If something doesn't feel right, like you can discuss it. There's usually always a writer on set. I mean. Not usually. There is a writer on set always. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're pretty stringent about, like, get your lines right. Um, but very, very minimal. Like, maybe there'll be something where they'll let you – or they'll give you a take where you can go a little, sure. a little wild or but that's something. that's a take so they can go back to the original if they want to, right? right. Yeah, but right. normally they use the ten. <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, Gilliam, right? That's his – thumbprint basically it's him and peter gould. peter gould is who created saul and um okay, he's right. technically the showrunner on saul okay um but yeah was it, it b- the same though on both of them breaking bad the same way kind of where it's like real specific to your oh 100 percent. yeah like and that was what was so great about it like uh it was the first sh- one of the first shows that i'd been on definitely the first tv show i'd been on where um they really had their thumb and they had their fingers in all the pies. Uh-huh. So, like, I remember going to get my first costume fitting. And I had, like, one line, mm-hmm. you know, like, because the script, my, the one scene, the other scene I had, they shot it, but they cut it. Um, they had color palettes that everybody stayed in and, like, color palettes for the season. And, like, certain characters you couldn't get, you couldn't get into their palette. Like, because uh. that was, like, if I was, if they wanted to choose something to me, we're staying out of this palette. Cause that's, right. that's Walter. That's, you know, um, Skyler or whoever. Like, there were certain things, like. Huh. You have to be careful with color palette and texture. Um, and, like, they sent, like, so many choices for me. And he, ch- like, like de- everybody, he would choose. They would have, you know, on both shows they were consultants with either legal things or science things to make sure that they weren't just wheels off fiction. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, he w- they were all really, you know, really into the details. Yeah, it's cool. It doesn't surprise me, though, because it looks like it was really – like somebody really or more than one person is really like this is how I want it and to that's be. from top to bottom so like like not only on the writers showrunner side but even I would say from the actors down so like it like uh, and that kind of it, it kind of just generates a, I don't know how to describe it but like the um there was such a positive like <laughs> positive vibe on that set mm. uh, and everybody was invested in its success from the top to the very the lowliest PA, even though PAs sure. do a, do a lot of heavy lifting. Oh yeah. So from the top to tail, everybody wanted the show. Everybody was invested. Everybody was excited about the scripts. That's Everybody's the best. excited about yeah. the. Well, yeah, sure there were long days. I'm sure there were you know people getting cantankerous or whatever, but like, it, I mean, it was crazy. Like I have a few, you know, I have like whatever nine episodes or whatever it is of Breaking Bad, and you come to set and. You know, Brian Cranston's like, how are you, Tina? How's your theater? And you're like, how do you remember yeah. any of this stuff? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's a cool dude. I, so I was, personable. Yeah. All, and the same thing with 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 Aaron Paul. Like, same thing. Yeah. I'm just like, 
so friendly. Hey, let me. You want something? I'm gonna get it for you. And you're like, why are you? You know, it's me funny. They came to promote their tequila, and I shot them for oh, Observer. So nice. And yeah, like he, like Aaron was like, come here. What's your name? You know, and I was like, I don't. You know, it's I appreciate. I I don't. But okay, cool. And like Brian, I used to work out extra on a show next to. Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, what was that show he was on? Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, Cheers. Yeah, and he was really just, every time he bumped into me, he's like, hey, how you doing? I mean, he was, you know, he had already done Seinfeld, obviously, but he was, you know, that show, you know, if you watched yeah. that show, you knew he was going to be really big, but not yeah. a lot of people were watching it, I guess. That, you know, right. So, But um, yeah, just super personable and super, um, just so nice. Both shows were like that. Same yeah. thing with Bob and Ray and yeah. all those oh, God, guys. Bob that, Odenkirk is one of the best. And smart is a, I mean, smart yeah. is a whip, like the, yeah. just a font of knowledge and like voracious reader, sure. lover of vinyl, like he loves oh, his yeah. records. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. Like, he, but you sh- I just remember standing in line at like for, at lunch and hearing him and Michael McKeon talk about music and you're just oh, like, yeah. I'm just going to follow you. Guys. Yeah. 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 You know, for sure. I, it was funny cause uh, I, I just telling you, I worked at second city when he was in the show and then I moved to LA and I was in Andy Dick's band. So I was hanging out with him. And Bob was doing a one-man show that Andy would be in. And so it was like down at, uh, where was it, uh, the Third Street Promenade. And there, it was like, you know, there'd be like 15, 10 people a show. I must have gotten to 20 of those. And oh, my gosh. It was so amazing, yeah. Bob was amazing for a while, but it took him a while to really get on the radar for people. Like, he's another one that just, I felt like he was, I mean, he perfected a lot of his, he got a lot better as an actor. But I just, he just started so like I was like, he is amazing now. Why doesn't everybody get it? You know, it just yeah. took a while. You know? Well, and I think too, like for him, just to believe that he was an actor, you know, like, yeah. you know, because he was a comedian and he was yeah. a writer. He's mm-hmm. so good at all those things. And then like, people are like, no, you're actually a really good actor. And he's like, Meh, you know, like, yeah. he's like, no, no, you're a really good actor. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, and funny too, because, you know, a lot of people don't know that he helped a lot of those Chris Farley scenes get written, like that motivational speaker. Oh, yeah. That was him. So, I mean, I, I worked there at that time and man, you could not get a drink, a seat, because everyone that worked there would just sit and watch that scene. I must have seen that scene, like, you know, my name is a good time, motivational speaker. It's just like the best. And Bob wrote that with him. Bob wrote a lot of that stuff with him. People yeah. don't know that, you know. Like Bob I, saw really that. Was, I think I saw that when we were there on the spring break. You it, did? It, yeah. Yes, Because yes. I just remember Chris Farley was like, like we're like, that guy's a... You can't it? see anything but him. And like, Bob, no. like I don't remember who's in the scene. I know Bob wrote it, so I know who's in it. But like the original scene, I don't even remember who was in it. And then when they did it on SNL, I couldn't even sit... They could not laugh through the whole thing. No, because you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. so... Anyway, um, one like just fun thing I noticed because I was doing my research is that you're in a 99% rated Rotten Tomatoes movie and a 27% Rotten Tomatoes movie, which is very cool that you even have that. <laughs> but uh, It's true. Yeah. Wait, I, I think I had the name. I thought oh, I no. It was, what was it? It was something about virginity. Oh, yeah. The, the virginity, virginity hit. That was your 27%. Yeah. That was a mostly all improv movie. It was fun to shoot, and we shot it in New Orleans. Well, then I'm mad at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, you know, come on. It's improv. Yeah, you know. it was, you know, I, I don't even know if I've watched it, but it was fun to shoot. We had a good time <laughs> shooting it. Right. Um, yeah, and we were, you know, it was, yeah, it was, what um, are you going to do? Yeah, and so we were saying, too, how it's cool the strike is over. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, like. Uh, We've all got to ratify it, granted. Gra- it yeah, is, it's, yeah. It is over. Um, Technically, are you? I, I'm friends with uh, Molly Hagen from way back. She's, uh, oh, okay. yeah, and she, I was, I've been following her path of the strike, but I mean. What are we going to do? I mean, this is just three years. I mean, AI is going to, it's going to be harder AI and harder. Scary. Yeah. And this is why the strike, I mean, that's one of the big reasons why we had to strike now. Because it felt like, at least from what I understood and what I read, and in talking to other colleagues, I have uh, local folks who are SAG members here, This we had to do it now because otherwise it's just going to keep going to the point where you can't go back. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, I, I just couldn't believe that it was even on the table that they're like, oh, we're going to scan you and then we're going to use your image. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And not pay you for it? Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's so many people that, you know, work as background actors. That's how they make their living. Uh And also, you know, it's not just like, oh, you're going to scan, you know, because granted, probably like big stars like George Clooney could be like, no, 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 you're not scanning me Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, But regular working actors like me or like people who are a background actor, like Mm -hmm. what would stop them from, Scanning me, you're like, oh, all of a sudden we're going to have a sex scene that you didn't approve and we're going to put uh-huh. your face on a body that's <laughs> yeah. similar to yours. Yeah. What's to stop no, that? No, I remember I, I did I did a lot extra work in the a 90s. Lot, that's how a lot of people make money. Well, right. And and I remember back then, 
that they were talking about scanning and like i feel like a few people did like get paid like another hundred dollars or something yeah. yeah and so i mean the fact that it's but that was the technology was nothing like it is now so no and like i think uh i just saw today i was watching television the morning news program and they were saying about how bad bunny is like just raising all sorts of hell because somebody kind of TikToked, ai TikTok a voice that sounds very like it sounds like him, right? But it's a TikTok song. Uh, it's not his, uh-huh. but it sounds like him. And all these people are like a million people have downloaded it. Everybody loves the bad bunny, and he's like, Aah! oh yeah. And you know, like somebody took a Beyonce song and made it sound like Rihanna. Hmm. It's gonna be. This is like our future. I mean, I know. You know, like watching Harrison Ford like play. You know, like in The Godfather or something crazy. You know, that's like people are gonna. That's what people are gonna want. It sucks. Or put themselves yeah. in there. Or put yeah, even better. You know, they already have apps. I saw this one girl that yeah. I know, and she's she's attractive, and I was like, I didn't know she was a. Mo- Wait a minute! What the hell is going on here? You know, yeah. it's ridiculous, and that's just ridiculous. a person. You know, like not an actor, even. You know, so. Well, and especially because it's like. That's how people make their money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. my M, my my face, my body, my voice, my skill, like the things I went to school for and trained for and, sure. you know, body of work or whatever. It's like, this is, that's what I've got to sell as an actor. Yeah. And so you use AI, then it's like, okay, I don't have a job anymore. Like, how does this work? Yeah, you know, who wants to watch a show of AI? No, we would have, there would have been a strike for a year straight if it, or whatever it took. If they did, I, yeah, that. I'm curious to see what's on the, because what, I've not seen the deal yet. Okay, yeah. But I'm, I know that was a big, that was one of the first, like oh. the pushbacks this week was like, the oh, yeah, AI I saw was still a lot of people there. talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think that it's, you know, hopefully our residuals have improved because sure. that was the other big sticking point was streaming. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because everything streams now, but the contract, that oh, was the big loophole. It's like, oh, we're still producing it under this Yeah, this I didn't big realize that. I mean, because I, I, you know, I stopped even trying to act before all that really happened. And I mean, I remember thinking, like, reading about the Orange's new black cast, and I was like, I cannot believe how little I just, and, well, actually, now I do, but it's just like, it is it's crazy. BS, you know. And they say, like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we're not going to give you the, we don't have, we won't share the data because, you know, this, that. And it's like, of all the places that have the data, you have it because it's it's computers or whatever. Oh, you know, like yeah. somebody is streaming it. You know exactly how many times. Oh, there's no question that they know. You know, but like there's yeah. people on Suits. They supposedly the most downloaded right. show, mm-hmm. billion views, so yeah. much so that they're going to reboot the universe or whatever. Suits. Yeah, yeah. Um, I admit I, doubt, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, but I doubt that they're. You know, they're when you stream on the when you stream on a platform like you, your residuals are. Cockadoodle. Yeah, like if, if if anything, yeah, it's it's it's, it's not good. It's it's maddening because like you know we're all like oh we're gonna cut the care the cord with cable and then you like oh so now we're screwing everybody that we're watching basically without realizing. Well, it. now those streamers are gonna go up, you know. So I'm curious to see what's gonna happen. Well, I think what's gonna happen is like like things like Disney and Hulu bundling. It's gonna start to be bundles, and then before I think you they know, they just it, bought them, didn't they? Yeah. Okay, maybe that's what it was. They okay. don't have enough money to pay everybody, but they bought Hulu exactly. for billions of dollars. <laughs> we're not gonna talk about Mousewitz on this okay, show. Okay, sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> no mouse house quiet i love you disney please uh, hire me right i mean i am not trying to be an actor anymore i will admit like i quit and came back to it many times i am so happy to have no need to go back just because of the years of rejection i experienced in la it's hard it's, it's ridiculous really, it's, it's brutal yeah. as an actor i mean yeah. like it's not only like just rejection because that's the other thing is like people will see like an actor's like how much you get paid, right? Like on a job. Sure. And it's like, yeah, but do you understand? I'm lucky if I book this maybe four times a year or something, oh, you know, God. you know, or like if I didn't I, book four times a year. I booked. I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe. That's, yeah. And a lot exactly. of times you're like some of the things like, you know, you're saying like, oh, you're on the virginity hit or like I was on a witch western or whatever, you know, right. that kind of these indie projects. And it's like, yeah, but that's like low budget, sack, oh, which is yeah. like way down here a yep. day, mm-hmm. you know? And for three days or for two days here or whatever. Yeah. Plus, you've got to pay to drive there and you've got to do this and you've got to blah, blah, blah. And you've got to pay your agent and you've got to pay taxes and you've got to do this. It's, so here's what you get on the side or it's whatever. It's hard. I mean, I was just talking to a band and it's like, I, I mean, that seems even harder than the, at least at least this. There's paths to like you can make a living. I mean, maybe you're not going to be like a billionaire from it just from being a working actor. But blue collar, being a blue collar actor, making your living off it is very respectable. And it's also like, I mean, frankly, like I don't I don't make enough make my live I look I work I run a theater company yeah, yeah and combined you know I also don't make very much as a theater company right so you put it together and you're like still sad or whatever yeah. but I can sort of make it work or whatever yeah. and some years are great you know like years when you're like I was on Saul 
and he got a lot of episodes. Great. Some one year I only got one, so it wasn't you know it was all right. It was great. But, right. Right. Um, and just to loop back on the rejection, it's not just like you don't get a job. It's also like sometimes you get the thing and you're like, oh my god, is this what you think I am? Uh. So you know, like I'm a plus size lady, and you'll get something that's like fat as hell or whatever, <sighs> like obese, crazy looking, doesn't know if there it's a woman or a man. You know, oh god. I mean, crazy descriptions uh. where you're like. Hmm, does it pay American dollars? Is it really, fu- <laughs> is it funny? Like, is it this? Yeah. And you decide, you know, but it can be like, it can be where, you know, it's it'll make brutal. You, you know, he's brutal or yeah. like, you know, crazy short, fat Italian, blah, blah, blah. I have uh-huh. a friend who's like a shorter Italian guy. And he's like, he always jokingly sends me like, look at what I got today. Uh, yeah. Even uglier Paul Giamatti type or whatever. And I was <laughs> <Even> like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that is a terrible thing. Yeah, that it's is, brutal. But you know, yeah. like anybody who's a character actor, you're like, eh. yeah. And also, I got, I got a uh, like when I first moved here, I was still doing acting. I would drive down to Austin, drive back mm, like so yeah. much, it was ridiculous. And uh, um, I got a part on American Crime, and I was all excited. And then I learned my lines, and I get there, and they're like, do the Miranda rights, which I somehow pulled out of my ass and did out, out of nowhere. And then they cut the whole fucking thing. You see my arm. <laughs> Does it? And I mean, I was so worked up for that. I remember I was trying to impress some girl. She wasn't even impressed that I was on the show before I got cut. You know, same thing happened on Friday Night Lights. It was an improv, you know. Um, oh, God. And they, yeah, they, I was like the angry guy in the restaurant, and the waitress was the daughter, and the parents were there. And me and the actress, like, kind of got into a, because it's improv, so we kind of got into a screaming match, which was fine. And it's just like, like, why would this dude, like, literally, it's like, it was so stupid, and they just cut all out. And, like, she never did her one line that would have kept me in. And I was like, why didn't you do that? And she's like, my character wouldn't have done it. And I'm like, it's in the script. Your character would have fucking done Like, thank you for <laughs> cutting That's me out the of the worst, scene. isn't it? Though? It is yeah. the worst. I've, I've been cut a number of times, and it is the worst. Yeah. Because I just, my most recent one, I was on, I had a really, I thought, really cool scene. And everybody loved it on set, you know, of on Outer Range, the show that was on Amazon. Uh-huh. Josh Brolin and all yeah, that. Yeah. And we had, I had this really crazy wheels off and I was like, oh, right, I can't wait to see it. Like, you know, you know, just nuts. And we screamed all, like it was another one where we're, you know, it was a couple that was having this argument. And you like somebody's probably whacked out on something, but I looked crazy and right, Ray went and got around fun, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it was super fun. And everybody, the producer was like, oh my God, so great. Totally cut. Like I was yeah. so excited. I was like scan, like watching it and I was like, Oh, they uh-huh. just jumped us. And then I was like, and then I watched Rose and I was like, okay, I get why they jumped us, but still sad. I was like, I can know. I at least have that footage, please? That's Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I I've, I've tried to get old footage too. Yeah, anyway. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, so uh, now that the strike's over, yeah. the the theater's going to start getting, like what's, what's on the horizon for you? What's next? Really just hopefully surviving us renovating this building because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's hard. We None of us are... You know, we've not none of us have ever done it. Murna made it a million dollar building before. There's not like um, a yeah. construction actor people. Yeah, exactly. No? Okay. Yeah. I'm telling so, you that my idea, you can have it. I won't take I, anything from you for it. I may have to touch base with you about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that renovation and then surviving the crazy out of the box, like you know, because I ain't I ain't young. Let's be real. And so the idea of you know traveling around, you know, take this show on the road. Yeah. Well, it's great, and I think it's going to be really like the shows are fun, and I think the patrons are going to have a great time. It's it's it can be a little daunting on the onset. Like I'm preparing for the worst so that it won't be as bad as I think it's going to be. Gotcha, yeah. But you know, you're just not like the things that you're normally are like. Okay, and we just do this and this, and oh, if we just do this with the lights, it'll work. Sure. You know, there, none of that. There's yeah. none of that. You, there's no all the variables are like very like truly like who knows or whatever. <laughs> Let's hope it works. Um, and you know, we'll rehearse it, but like. Still, it's just yeah, I get it. It's like you don't. It's a dice roll every show, and there's not yeah. a given. Yeah, well, because it's always a dice roll every production. So, but at least if when you have your home base, that's one thing out of the equation. But you guys are everything is is up in there's the no, air. There's no yeah, it's no like oh, and this is what will happen in tech, and this is what will happen here. It's like okay, we how hope. do you tech the show at the baseball field? Well, there's not going to be. What's interesting is you use the you use the stadium. Like there's not we're not building a set because okay, you're using the stadium. You're yeah. going to use the lighting that's in the rooms that exists in the rooms. Uh, there are two scenes. Um, that have sound cues, so they will have to bring in some s- sound to support it. Um, and then we're using <laughs> we're using the sound system in the park. Uh, God, this is blowing my mind. I and we're using you. the Rider Vision Drumbotron. Oh my god! That's gosh. where our playbill is going to be. That's going to establish that we're at Petco Park. 
How many how many people like in a pod for the show? Um, it depends on how many we have a night, but more than likely it'll be like twenty ish. Well, like 20, how many? Like, like if you were sold out <coughs> for one night, like how many people would that be? Twenty to twenty five. I mean, like the total, like the whole night. Oh, I would say hundred to a, probably about a hundred folks okay. a night. Okay. Maybe I mean it just depends. I mean we think we can get up to like one hundred twenty five. So anywhere okay. from that. That's a good problem to have, actually. It's a really good problem to have, yeah. especially this day and age, because it's like I'm hoping that this. Um, because, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people got used to staying at home, myself included. Oh. And so it's like, okay, well, how can I motivate you to get uh, to leave your couch? Because I know because my couch is comfortable, too, and I love my cats and I love mm-hmm. my life, you mm-hmm. know, sitting around. Like, it's hard for me to get out and go see a rock show or go see another play. And it's like, you, come on. The live experience is really like it's better than the record. It's better than the TV show. Sure. I mean, we've got some quality of both of those things. But, like. It's like nothing else. Yeah. No, there's that element that's not going to be there at home no matter what. Exactly. So, you know, and as we're embarking on about to open this, you know, million dollar theater, we need audience. We need and, and Dallas theaters right now are definitely struggling to get our crowd back out post pandemic. I mean, like I've been hearing this about venues, like music venues, the same exact thing. It's just yeah, it's and it's, tricky. It's just really, and it's not, there's not like a science to it. No. Because you'll be like, oh, this show is going to sell. And then it's like, crickets, you know, like, oh, no, yeah. you're just your true believers come. And you're like, this one will not. And then tons of people will come. And it, you know, it, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. We've also lost a ton of media coverage for the arts. Mm. So it's yeah. also like nobody knows when stuff's happening. So how do you even get the word out yeah, about it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, I'm in the media, quote unquote, and I don't yeah. even know how to cover stuff sometimes, you know. It's just, totally. It's so I, I'm like, these. one thing that these shows do is they give us, one, access to a different audience, um, and two, like different opportunities to reach out to different parts of the media that we normally wouldn't be able to talk, talk mm-hmm. to. You know, so talking to people in sports radio, talking to, you know, hey, you have a baseball club. Do you want to come and see a show that's, you know, about baseball? (laughs) You know, like if I give you a discount, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, go find little leagues and stuff. We always said 95% of the battle is just getting them to come in the door. Yeah. And so, like, you know, maybe you have bad memories of what theater is in your mind. Like I saw a crappy show when I was in junior high and theater is boring. Or theater, well, you <laughs> right. know, you know I know, I know. I'm, I'm you know, and I don't want to spend money on that and, or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, if I can get you to come out and see it and then you're like, oh, this is actually fun. I don't have to be fancy, wear fancy clothes. Parking is free. And, and frankly, I'll be honest, like if you are, if people, if people listen to this and they are struggling like financially, cause we've all been there. Kitchen Dog has a program called Admit All. And because we are firm believers that the arts should be accessible, if you're going to have plays that are about conversation or about political uh, or social justice or like to raise questions, let's, let's talk about what's going on. Mm. Raise, we're not giving anybody any answers. We're just saying, let's talk about it. Um, so we want everybody in the room. Uh, and we have this thing called Admit All that we, where we hold uh, 20 tickets a night and they're free. Wow. So all you wow. have to do is come down That's cool. and say, hey, I want to add my all ticket. We give you a little piece of paper. You put out your your zip code. You give us your zip code so we can report that back to people who are our grantors. And you get in. Huh. And that's it. And Show because, up. yeah, come on with it. Come on wow. down when it's okay. check-in time. And, you know, there's that, a lot of amounts. So once we run out, we run out. But, um yeah, so just I mean, not, that's great. I, I, music venues should do something like that. Well, because it's like, not a, like, exactly. Like, I, you know, especially like we just came out of a strike, right? So I haven't yeah. been making a whole lot of money. Um, and there's been a lot of shows that have come through, and I'm like, okay, make a choice mm-hmm. because you've got this much money right. to hold. And you're like, I didn't know how long the strike was going to go. So it's like, I need to be smart about my money. But yeah, things are ex- just, everything's more expensive. Oh, tell me about it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, just know that it's there. And my, our thought is like, Use it when you need it, and don't when you don't. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I really like that. That's yeah. Uh, that, you know, if you're out there and you want to see one of these cool shows we're talking about, keep that in mind. If you can't, hundred percent, that is not the reason to not go. That so. is, yes, it is not. Yeah, I just did a double negative. I love it. It's great because <laughs> that's how we roll here. That's right. In our little studio, that's double right. negatives. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's the name of my band. <laughs> double double negatives. negatives. <laughs> Tita and the double negatives. I like it. I will. I will cover that show. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Tina, this was so fun. I'm so happy you came down and uh, I can't wait to see these shows and see you in action somewhere. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'd like to thank my guest, Tina Parker. 
You can check out Kitchen Dog Theater and all their upcoming shows on the website and the links below. Thank you again to the Deep Ellum Community Center for letting us record there. Theme song, Unstoppable by Celine Narala. Thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, follow all the good stuff and share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.